Uh, welcome, everyone. First, I want to begin by thanking Rabbi Ruven Terrigan for organizing this tremendous project and all the technical staff at Mizrahi and all the people working on setting this up. I wanted to pick a topic today that has to do not only with Seder, but also about people being in quarantine, like myself this week. Because um, in Israel, anyone coming back from overseas has to spend two weeks in quarantine. I have a couple of days left. And pretty much anyone over 60 is supposed to stay in quarantine, uh, or maybe just within his home. So the idea of the Jewish home and the idea of Pesach are obviously connected. I want to discuss in our share today the biblical source of that idea. What I want to begin with is the Halach Ma'anya, which we're all familiar with. It's early in our Seder when we're all still paying attention. And I'll ask you a question. Think about it yourself. Is Halach Ma'anya the beginning of Magid or part of Yachatz? I'll explain my question. In Yachatz, we break the middle matzah and show it to everyone gathered. And then right away, we say Halach Ma'anya. We talk about this matzah, this poor man's bread. We'll talk about what the word means soon. But is Halach Ma'anya an explanation or a continuation of Yachatz? Because I'm not just breaking the matzah for no reason. I'm breaking the matzah to show it to people. Now I have to begin to explain what this matzah is. So I can view Halach Ma'anya as an explanation of Yachatz. I can also understand it as the introduction to Magid. In almost all um, Haggadot that we have, Magid begins with Halach Ma'anya, which makes a lot of sense. I want to explain why it's a beautiful segue. So let's begin with the text of uh, the Haggadah. I'm going to share my screen now in a minute. How do we share? Here we go. Um, we're going to share. Here we go. Uh, we have the famous text, Halach Ma'anya. I want to begin with a famous question, which I'm sure you've asked at all your seders. Why are we inviting people at a time like this? If we read the text of Halach Ma'anya, it sounds like an invitation. And it doesn't make sense to invite people after we've made Kiddush, after we've sat down, we already had Kadesh, Urchatz, and Kapas, and Yachatz, and now we invite people. It just can't be that we're actually inviting people uh, in real time. Some people say it's... Uh, um, it's a type of invitation to remember how important it is to invite people. I want to suggest something different. I want to suggest it's really not a question when you read carefully what we're doing. So let's begin with the text. Halach ma'anya. This is, I'm not going to translate halach ma'anya because in Hebrew it's lechem oni. Lechem oni is mentioned one time in Chumash, in Sefer Tvarim. We're going to see those source, that source in a minute. But we can say this is a lechem oni. The Achlu Avatana Ba'ar de Mitzrayim, that our forefathers in Egypt. Now, ask it your Seder, when did our forefathers eat matzah in Egypt? Later, at the end of the Seder, we're going to quote Rabbi Gamliel, who says we have to explain the reason why we're eating matzah and Mora and Pesach. And we explain we're eating matzah to remember that we were in a rush when we left Egypt. And on the road, we only had the dough that we took out of Egypt when we were rushed out. We had to bake the dough as matzah the next morning. So there we talk about eating matzah, not in Egypt, but rather after we left Egypt in the desert on our travel towards Harsinai. But that's not what this is talking about. This is like only that we ate in Egypt, not leaving Egypt. So the question number one is, where do we have a source that the Jewish people in Egypt ate matzah? So I'm sure you've heard the classic answer. It was what's called poor man's bread. We were so poor, we were in slavery. This is uh, really simple bread on the one hand also we don't have time to for it to rise and wait for um, to bake it as challah we bake the matzah and eat it as soon as we can so some people say that's the reason for poor man's bread we're going to suggest several different answers 
But the next part is what makes it complicated. Here comes the invite. Anyone in need, come and join. Anyone in need, come and join in the Korban Pesach. This is not an invite to our mill. This seems to be an invite to join in Korban Pesach. And now the proof, this has to be something from the past. Because together with this invitation, what are we saying? Now we are here. Next year, as we invite other people, we're making a hope. Right now, we're not in the land of Israel. Hopefully, next year, we will be in the land of Israel. And then we say, now we are in slavery. With a hope that next year, we're going to be free. If you ask yourself, when is there a time in history where the Jewish people are eating matzah, number one. Number two, they're not in the land of Israel, but they hope to be there next year. They're in slavery and hope to be free by next year. And they're inviting one another to join in Karpan Pesach. There's only one possible time in Jewish history that this is talking about. This is the very first Karpan Pesach when we were in Egypt. The Karpan Pesach we brought on the 14th, we shafted it on the 14th, and we ate it on the 15th at night. And the next morning, or even early the next morning, we were thrown out of Egypt and went to serve God on Harsinai on our way to Israel. It must be referring to the very first Kabbalah Pesach. And what I want to suggest is, we're not inviting the people to Seder now. We're not inviting the people on the street. We're quoting our forefathers. We broke the matzah and yachatz. And we say, this is the same lechem oni. This is the same bread that our forefathers ate in Egypt. At the very first Kabbalah Pesach, we're going to see that in Parshat Chodesh very soon. And we're going to quote our forefathers. What did our forefathers say in preparation for their first Kabbalah Pesach? There was a requirement to invite one another to join in the first Kabbalah Pesach. It will be the very first commandment that the Jewish people receive. And as we're preparing for the very first Kabbalah Pesach and having our first family meal together to begin our new future, we're talking about a better future. It's going to be an evening to remember. We're going to make it a special evening. It's the evening of our transition from slavery to freedom. But we're going to discussion at the very first Seder about how things are today and how we hope next year they'll be better. Right now, we're outside the land of Israel. Next year, we hope to be there. Next year, right now, this year, we're still with slavery. We're in slavery in Egypt. Hopefully, by next year, we'll be free. So the very first Seder we're going to see will be a time about thinking about a better future, looking about our goals for the future. And we begin our Seder. Before we begin the story, we're going to connect what we're doing to the very first Seder thousands of years ago. So before we go and see and prove this point from Parsha Lachodesh, I want to talk about what the word Lachem Oni means. There's a three-way machloket. It's all based on psukim and sefer dvarim. Um, I'll make my screen a little bit bigger so we see the, the text. The, um, let's make the view a little bit wider. And we'll go. In sefer dvarim, in chapter 16, we have the shalosh for galim. We usually blame this the last day of Yom Tov in Chutzlaretz. So we're told Shamar Chodesh Aviv to keep the month of the spring and bring Korban Pesach. And we're bringing Korban Pesach. We are Bamakom Ashiv Harashem the Shakin Shmosham. There's a theme in Sefer Devarim about Yushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash. And all the holidays, all the Shalosh for Galim are to be celebrated, ideally, Bamakom Ashiv Harashem in the place that God's going to choose for his name to dwell, which later will become the Beit HaMikdash in Yushalayim or the city of Yushalayim. And it's interesting that according to Sefer Devarim, it's highlighting the need to bring Korban Pesach specifically in Yerushalayim with your Aliyah the Regal. 
with your pilgrimage holiday, where in Sefer Shemot, the focus of Korban Pesach is specifically the home. Later in the show, we'll talk about the uh, contrast between the theme in Sefer Shemot and the theme of Korban Pesach in Sefer Dvarim. But for now, I want to explain what is the meaning of Lechel Oni. Then it says, Lotochal Abchameitz. In the spring, when we eat Korban Pesach, we can't eat Chameitz with the Korban Pesach itself. Not only that, Shivat Yamim Tochal Alav Matzot, for the seven days that follow the offering of the Korban Pesach, we only Matzah and not Chameitz. And we describe this matzah as lechem oni. Well, we just lost that. Lechem oni. Again, I'm not going to translate it. I'll see what the Parshanim say. Because we were rushed out of Egypt. In order to remember the day we left Egypt, koi mechayecha, the day of your life, if we have time later, we'll talk about that phrase as well, how the yearly celebration, once a year, we go crazy once a year, eating only matzah and not having chametz to remember the exodus. But the goal of the once-a-year memory will be to make sure that we remember the Exodus and its meaning and its message every day of our lives. So what is the meaning of Lecha Oni? So there's two classic explanations. The word Oni in Hebrew can mean a poor man. That's used many times in Tanakh. But also we have Oni, which is affliction. Recall from the covenant of the parts between God and Avram Avinu. When God made his first covenant with Avram Avinu, and promise him not only children, but the children he's going to have are going to have to go through oppression and slavery in someone else's land. And only after their redemption with great miracles will they be freed with great wealth and then go to Harsina and get and then conquer the land of Israel. Um, they were told, told that Inui, they'll be afflicted for some 400 years or for many centuries of slavery. So it could be lechem oni, it reminds us of that slavery. Or it could be describing the bread itself, the bread is poor. Again, lechem oni, if it's affliction, it means bread that reminds us of our affliction, which reminds us of the story. Or it could be a description of the bread itself, the bread is poor. But there's going to be a third explanation, which I want to follow in our share. So let's see what the commentator said. Rashi gives the classic explanation I just gave. What's lechem oni, bread of affliction? It reminds us of our affliction, of our suffering, of what happened to us in Egypt. Again, the phrase that we're going to quote later in our Seder, when we're going to thank God for keeping his promise of repent of Tarim. So this matzah reminds us of the suffering we went through in Egypt and the suffering that we have to learn from. In their poorness and their poverty. They didn't have enough time for their, to when they made their dough and they made their bread, they didn't have time, they didn't have the leisure to allow the dough to rise. As soon as they put the flour and water together, they just made matzah and had it as soon as they could because they were, because the test masters were forcing them to do. One of Father Emek Davar, who quotes Chazal, um, that says a very different explanation. When you answer something in Hebrew, that's called the anot. For example, um, to answer, to enter a conversation and answer a question, that's also called la anot to answer. Therefore, there's an opinion in Mesech Pesachim that Chazal like to bring, that lechem oni, it says, it never says anywhere in Chumash, other than the source in Sefer Dvarim, that matzah is called lechem oni. Zulakan, only here. 
והנה חז"ל דורש פסחים, לכן שונים עליו דברים הרבה, what I like to call conversation bread. We're going to use the matzah at our seder to spark a conversation. Anyone who knows hadracha or counseling, when you have a group of students or a group of campers or a whole group of people, do you want them to interact and start something? You take some object, you ask them to think about that object. It's called a conversation piece. People have them in their homes. The way you spark a conversation is by taking some object and you start talking about it. And it could be if we follow what Emek Navar is quoting from Masechet Pesachim, that we use our matzah at the Seder. Yachas, we break the matzah and show it to people. And what are we telling the people at our Seder? This matzah that we're eating, we're gonna, it's going to begin our conversation about our past. It's the very same matzah that our forefathers ate thousands of years ago. When they were still in Egypt at the transition stage in Jewish history, we're, we're about to leave Egypt. We're still in slavery, about to become free, hoping for a better future to become God's people in the land of Israel one day. And that matzah that we're eating is going to spark a conversation about the story and our connection to our past. Let's happen in our Seder. Um, the beginning of, um, of Halachim Anya, in our Seder, and what the claim is, the beginner, the Yachas, after splitting the matzah and saying, this is the Lechem Oni, or what I call now conversation bread, that are for, and of course, it's a conversation about our affliction, it's about, again, how poor we were, how destitute we were in Egypt, but this bread, which all three reasons now make sense, it's the same bread that our forefathers ate in Egypt at their very first Seder, and we're going to connect our Seder to their Seder. What did our forefathers say to one another? Everyone in need, come and join. Come and need and join in the Kabran Pesach. Even though now we're here in Egypt, next year hopefully we'll be in Israel. This year in... What's the first of all? This the source of Parashat in Shemot uh, chapter 12, Perakid Beth. The first two lines of Parashat HaKodesh actually are not a commandment for the Jewish people. They're a commandment for the leadership of the Jewish people. Not everyone decides the calendar. So Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu in the land of Egypt, this month, the month of the spring, later becoming Chodesh Nisan, for you will be the first month of the year. And Beitim, or the leadership of the Jewish people, decide when the solar year is going to begin. We wait for the month of the spring and we begin the Jewish year in the month of the spring. But what's the very first commandment that the Jewish people receive? That's going to begin in Pasa Gimel. You might recall from the very first Rashi in Chodesh, Rashi said as follows. Rashi asked the famous question, why does Chumash begin Shouldn't Chumash begin with the very first commandment? If we view Chumash as a book of instruction of how to follow God, a book of commandments, so begin with the first commandment. And therefore, Rashi brings up, quotes Rabbi Yitzchak, and says, shouldn't Chumash begin with HaChodesh Lachem with Perak Yudbet, which is the first commandment not only the leadership of Jewish people receive, but also the Jewish people themselves receive, beginning in Pasa Gimel, to offer the Korban Pesach. Of course, Rashi, both Rashi and Ramban, give very good answers why before we get a law book, we need to understand why we're chosen, who God is, and why he chose us. That would be the book of Rashid. I need to understand why we're chosen uh, before I get mitzvot of how to serve God. But nonetheless, let's take a look at the very first commandment, and there's something interesting. What I want to explain is our very first commandment is not just to bring Korban Pesach. Our very first commandment is to take an initiative to form a group and make a big deal about the Jewish home. Pay attention to the word bayit. The word for Jewish home, again, is a bayit. We all learn that in our basic Hebrew. And we're told as follows. 
Dabru called that Yisrael Lemor. Gatos Moshe Rabbeinu speak to the Jewish people, the entire congregation of the Jewish people, that other them be prepared, that every family, by ish selabait avot selabait. Again, notice the word bait, that word home. Every family is commanded that every household should take a lamb. Now, it's not only every household taking a lamb, but rather, we have to make sure that this household is not just one or two people. Unfortunately, this year, we're going to have a very sad situation with there be many people having very small sidorim because of the corona epidemic. It might be an opportunity, as many show rabbis tell us, which is very important, to focus on the home and appreciate our family more when we don't have them. Um, but our very first commandment is not just to have a Jewish home, but to bring people together. And if your home is small, if your household is too small to eat an entire lamb, what does he need to do? That person, together with his neighbors, have to get together. We have to begin to build a community, not just a home, but a community. We invite our neighbors. So what is the very first Not just to organize and bring the Korban Pesach, but to take an initiative and organize a group and make sure your household has many people in it. Make sure there is no one with only two or three or four people. Make sure your Korban Pesach is some 10, 15, 20 people together. Imagine, take a lamb, and how many people do you need to eat a lamb all in one night because we're not allowed to have leftovers. So this is a commandment, not just to focus on the Jewish home, but to focus and begin to build a community where neighbors care about one another. And that's the idea of a Jewish home, the word bite. We're going to see how many times the word bite is central to the very first commandment the Jewish people receive. Now, a word in general about even modern-day Judaism, there's two focal points in Judaism through all, all the centuries. There's the Jewish home, which is the core unit. I call that the molecular unit of the Jewish people. You can um, Individual people in the family, we can compare them maybe in, uh, to Adam's. The molecular unit, the key unit of Judaism is the Jewish home, the Jewish family. And then there's another central focal point of being Jewish. And that's what I call the shul or the synagogue in the time of the Beit HaMikdash would be not only our community, but also our national center, the Beit HaMikdash. Being Jewish is being Jewish at two central points, the Jewish home and the Jewish community, or nowadays we would call that the shul. There's no such Judaism without a Jewish home. There's no such thing as Judaism without the shul or the community or in the times of um, Gula with the Beit HaMikdash. And both are central. And we have to find the balance between building the Jewish home and also building the Jewish community. If there's no shul, there would be no long-term Judaism. We wouldn't be around so long. But if there was no Jewish home, there'd be no content to Judaism. And therefore, in Jewish education, we have to educate and emphasize the importance of both. Now, in Sefer Shemot, the very first commandment begins with the home. The core unit, we begin with the molecular unit of the Jewish home. And therefore, in Sefer Shemot, we begin our very first Korban Pesach at home. In Sefer Devarim, we move the emphasis to the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. Once things settle down, then the only place we can bring Korban Pesach is in Yerushalayim. Until that time, the Korban Pesach is at home. And sort of in jest, I used to say, that we always um, have a dilemma. Do we have Pesach at home or we go to a hotel or we go to Israel? 
So Amiso pretty much goes half and half. A lot of people, for them, the Seder at home is the most important point, which is the theme of Sefer Shemot. To others, being with a large group of people, either coming to Israel or coming to a big hotel program, is also a type of celebration. And the togetherness of a large group of people, if anyone who was in the Yisrael Shas knows the impact of thousands of people being together, being part of a giant group is very central to building community, but also building the home group is important. And therefore, some people emphasize having Pesach at home, some people having Pesach with a large group of people. Again, this year, we're all going to have the privilege of all being at home and working at the very first commandment that we had in Parshat HaChodesh to build the Jewish home. Now, we're going to continue and study Parshat HaChodesh. The main, thing I want, the main point I wanted to make now, in Halach Anya, when we say, when we quote our forefathers and we tell them <coughs> that when our forefathers were first commanded to read the Korban Pesach, they also had to invite one another. And they had to say to one another, That's exactly the commandment of the first two psukim in Parshat HaChodesh to the people, psukim Gimel and Dalid, where we're told to organize a meal and invite people, make sure to invite people to make sure that everyone is together in the home for the first Korban Pesach. Now, there's certain laws which come with the Korban Pesach, and there's a dilemma among the rabbis. Is Korban Pesach actually a Korban? I've been saying Korban Pesach all the time, but if you look carefully, it's not called a Korban here. It's called Pesach, or what's called Pesach Mitzrayim. To be a Korban, you need an altar. You need a Mizbeach. In a Korban, some of the food goes to God. This is more like a family barbecue. We're taking a lamb and we're shechting it, we're eating it with matzah, with bread, we're having some salad with it, the maror. But in essence, the very first Pesach can be viewed as a family cookout or as a family barbecue or a family meal, a very special evening where we're going to sit down, we're going to be prepared beforehand, almost like at a wedding by invitation only to make sure it's important. There'll be no leftovers allowed. It'll be not just the meat, it'll be meat together with bread. That was supposed to make, to make uh, the first shawarma, the first sandwich. So again, at first glance, it sounds like a family meal and not a korban. But then we have certain laws that make it sound like we're called setamim zachar ben shana yelachem mina kfasimu mina zemtikachu. The lamb that you take has to be tamim, has to be perfect. It can have a blemish, and it has to be zachar ben shana. That's the same law we have in Chodeshim when you bring a korban. It's very similar to keep it from the month to the 14th, most likely the days in between are the three days of Hoshech. If we have time later in the series, we'll give a shir on, on that idea. And Kok Haldi Israel we all have to do it towards the evening. And then here also something very similar to a korban. In a korban, we take the blood and we sprinkle it on the Mizbeach. Here, what are we doing? We're taking the blood and sprinkling it on, on our houses, on the Mashkov, on the lentil, on the doorpost. Again, we have the word batim. And many commentators, especially the modern ones, want to claim that even though we don't have a misbech, we don't have an altar, and therefore it's not technically a korban, what's become the altar is the Jewish home. The Jewish home now is the very first misbech. I'd like to suggest maybe exactly the opposite. It could be that all of our laws of an altar are built on the first korban Pesach. When we go to the Beit HaMikdash, and look at the Mizbech, we're going to remind ourselves of the very first Korban Pesach, we go to the Beit HaMikdash to be inspired to know how to build our homes. 
But again, here we have a, a very um, symbolic sprinkling of blood, which ultimately will save our lives if God sees that sign, or if we see that sign, as we'll explain soon. But we're sprinkling blood just like a korban. But again, here we're speaking the blood on our own homes and not on the Mizbeach. And then, we eat the basar in the evening, but only that evening. We can't have leftovers. We have it uh, well cooked, barbecued, together with matzah. Now, there's a famous question why am I eating Korban Pesach with matzah? The matzah at our Seder, we always say, is to remind us of how we were rushed out of Egypt. That's a story later on in Perakid Beth. When this commandment was given, it's two weeks before we leave Egypt. It's Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We haven't been rushed out of Egypt yet. So as we'll see soon, there must be more than one reason for eating matzah to remind us that we were thrown out of Egypt. Matzah is going to remind us, some people say, of simplicity. Um, we'll also see matzah is going to remind us that it's not chametz. If we're leaving Egypt and reminding ourselves we have to get rid of Egyptian culture, many people suggest that chametz might be a symbol of Egyptian culture or bad culture that we have to get rid of. The Egyptians in the ancient world were known for their bread making. Almost every um, book of baking, cooking, and fermentation all explains that fermentation began with Egypt. Egypt was known for the expertise in fermentation. It was so important. If you remember the story of Yosef, there's a minister in the government who's in charge of baking, the Sarah Ophim. And Egypt was known throughout the ancient world as experts in fermentation and bread. That's why the um, Sarofim, his dream, he's dreaming about bread that he's making for Pharaoh, all different kinds of bread. It's interesting that when Yosef interprets the Sarofim, who's a symbol of Egypt, if bread is a symbol of Egypt, he's going to die. And the Saramashkim, who's having grapes, he's going to live. And we know later on, grapes are a symbol of the land of Israel. Israel is known for its wineries and its grapes. Egypt is known for its bread and its chametz. Therefore, in Yosef's first interpretation of his dreams of the Sarofim and Saramashkim of the butler and the baker might be already the indicator of what's going to happen in the future where Israel is going to survive and Egypt is going to be defeated. Another set of laws that you have to eat it properly. It has to be well cooked. You don't boil it. You have to have it well done. And then no leftovers. And anything left over has to be burnt. This could be a law of Kodashim, which later becomes a law in the Beit HaMikdash. There's a limited amount of time you have to eat a korban. It could also be what I call no leftovers. If we want to make sure that this is a family meal and everyone's going to eat to their heart's content, when people know there's no leftovers, everyone eats and enjoys the meal. If you're a poor person and you finally have a fleshic meal, if you know their leftovers are permitted, you might not eat everything that night. You might save some for tomorrow. Therefore, we're told, save this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, make sure to save, make sure not to save and left, leftovers. I want you to enjoy the meal that night, sit down like a free man and sit down to a proper meal. Not only because we're leaving right away, we're not in such a rush because we don't leave until late at night or early the next morning, but eat it, come prepared with eagerness and readiness and come properly dressed. Make this a special evening. The very first Karban Pesach is going to be what we call an evening to remember. We'll make it a very special meal, family meal. We're going to make a big deal about it. And in the future, it'll be an evening to remember, the very first evening to remember. In other words, um, the very first Karban Pesach 
was a big event to mark our transition from slavery to freedom to becoming God's people. And in our Seder, we're going to remember that very first Seder and connect our Seder to theirs. Therefore, I want to go back to the Halach Ma'anya. I think it's very meaningful that we begin our Seder by remembering the very first Seder. We're connecting our Seder to the very first Seder, where our forefathers received the very first commandment to form a group, to build a home, to build a Jewish house, to build community, and talk about a better future. Where are we today? Where are we going to be in a year from now? This year, outside the land of Israel, hopefully next year, in the land of Israel, becoming God's people. This year, in slavery to a tyrant, to Pharaoh. Next year, free to serve God, instead of Avadim Taparo, to be Abdi Hashem. Then we're told that Egypt passed over Egypt. That evening will punish the Egyptians. And then, we're going to highlight this. We're going to return now to the theme of the home. The blood that you're putting on your doorpost will be a sign for you. Two ways to understand this, assuming that God knows who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. But we need a reminder of why we're chosen. We need a reminder. There's a purpose why God is saving us from Makat Pokorot. So is the dam a sign to see for ourselves what we are? Or is it a sign for God to know who we are? Both explanations are fine. But of course, God knows who we are. God needs to assign to see that we care about being Jewish. We want to turn over a new leaf. We want to begin a whole new future. So when God sees that we took the effort to bring the Korban Pesach, to follow its laws, he knows we're worthy of redemption. Therefore, what will God see? This blood will be a sign for us on our houses, and then God will see the blood and either pass over us. That's a classic explanation. If you look in Rashi and some commentators, Pasachti might mean to protect us, to guard us. It's an interesting explanation. Whether the Soach here means to pass over is God passing over our house and not punishing us? Or is God guarding our house from that punishment? Look in Rashi and the commentators on, on this Pasuk. It's called Korban Pesach. But again, Korban Pesach begins with the Jewish home and the ability to begin not the home, the community, and be good nationhood by taking initiative and getting involved in our history. Comes the transition from Pesach Mitzrayim to Pesach Doro. Listen carefully to Pasuk Yedalad. This day, is it going to become a day to remember? Which day? We'll talk about soon. This day has to be a day you remember forever. So there's a good question. What day is it talking about? There's a lot of possibilities. The first possibility is, what day is this? Rosh Chodesh Nisan. In fact, in many seders, people ask this question. I might think that the day we're supposed to remember our exodus from Egypt, the day that we tell the story of the exodus, should be Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Remember your Seder when you say, Yechom Rosh Chodesh, Tamadomer Bayimahu? Recording the Tamadomer, when are we hived to tell the story? When is the obligation of Magid to tell the story of the exodus? When does it begin? There's a Havamina. We entertain the thought that it could be the commandment begins on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and there's a lot of Lashik on that based on this Pasuk. If Ayom Azeh is the day that God's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, this day, Rosh Chodesh Yisam, might be a day to remember. I'm pointing it out because this week, Rosh Chodesh Yisam is going to be this Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday. And there's a Havamina, at least in our Seder we've talked about, we've been talking about the story already from Rosh Chodesh Yisam. 
and we have to make this celebration for all generations, something that we're going to have a yearly celebration, every generation is going to remember this evening, and we're going to repeat what the very first generation did. We're going to gather in our homes and talk about our history. We're going to talk about not only our past, but also we're going to focus on our future and our goals for the future. Which talk about the yearly celebration, not just eating Korban Pesach that evening, not just the Pesach in the evening, but also the commandment for seven days to eat matzah with the Korban Pesach. We saw that earlier in Sefer Tvarim. We won't have time for that in today's share. Maybe at the end we'll go back to it. In addition to the Pesach, there's also a seven day celebration we call Chagamatzot. If we have time, we'll return to that and see when this commandment was given. But again, that is. Let's look now how Moshe tells this law to the Jewish people after the commandment. In Parshat Achodesh, in chapter 12, God is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu from verse 1 to 20. From Pasach Aleph Tachaf is a commandment from God to Moshe Rabbeinu. First, about setting the month, it's the first month of the year, and then giving over the commandment to Am Yisrael about taking the Korban Pesach on the 10th, Shechting on the 14th, eating on the 15th, and what to do with the blood. Everything we saw. Listen now how Chumash tells us how Moshe recorded this and gave over that commandment to, to Am Yisrael. Pasach HaFalaf. Moshe, Yisrael. Moshe gathered the elders together. Again, the elders to tell the people. Because I'll talk about why you have these two verbs, Mishchu and Chu. Just take. Just take, take. But Chazal understand Mishchu. Take away from you, your idol worship, get rid of your bad ways, which is going to be represented by Chaim's. Get rid of your bad culture, get rid of your Egyptian ways and your idol worship, and then take a Korban Pesach uh, to remember. Um, what's it say next? Um, and what's it saying? Take for you a um, son. This is your sheep that you're taking. That's an important word now. We're talking about the family. At the Jewish home. Now Moshe Rabbeinu is emphasizing, build the family, the mishpacha, and bring Korban Pesach. Take an ezov, dip it in the blood, and then touch the uh, corners, the mezuzot. And then, to leave the house, notice again, in Moshe Rabbeinu's commandment to the people, a highlighting, this is about the mishpacha, about the family about family behavior, for being prepared for the Pesach, and everyone that evening has to stay home. Everyone's in quarantine that evening. No one can leave the house. In the morning, you'll be able to leave your homes and then begin your journey to Har Sinai. That evening will pass over Egypt, and you'll see the blood on the tomb as a result, and it'll pass over. Okay. Um, now, Another commandment. In addition to the commandment to bring Pesach that year and the very specific details of where to put the blood, I call that SOS, to make sure that you survive, Moshe is going to emphasize exactly where to put the blood. That evening, God will come and punish the Egyptians. And then God will see the blood on your doorpost. He'll see that you've taken this initiative. You've taken an action. You followed his commandment. You've something symbolic to show you're getting rid of and ready to accept God. 
Upasach Hashem ala peta, God will pass over or protect the entrance to your door. Again, your home, your bite will be protected. Notice again the emphasis of the word bite and the word mishpacha. Again, mishpacha, bite, and bite, and the commandment to that generation. Then we're told, not only do we do that this year, when you come to the land of Israel, listen what happens. Make sure to keep this, not only this year, for every future generation, remember this day forever. And therefore, now we have a, have a little bit of Zionism, because this is, of course, the Zemizrachi program. When you come to the land of Israel, and there's a big question here, is this law only applying to the land of Israel? Or is the assumption by next year we'll be in Israel? We weren't hoping to be in the desert for 40 years. Even one year, the hope was to leave Egypt, go to Har Sinai, receive the Torah, and be in Israel. Within By next year, we should have been in the land of Israel. And therefore, we're not saying that this law only applies in the land of Israel, but rather, the assumption is by next year we'll be there. When you come to the land which God is giving you, like he spoke to your forefathers, keep this Avodah, this Avodah Pesach, make sure to keep it. In other words, when you come to the land of Israel again, in your home, bring a korban and remember the Exodus. Again, when the right time will come and there'll be then we can celebrate Pesach in Yerushalayim. But now instead for Shemot, we're focusing on the Jewish home. Now, the very first generation that was redeemed is going to remember that experience. It'd be very vivid. How are we going to pass this on to the next generation? How are we going to make it meaningful, not only to the generation that left Egypt, how are we going to pass on this tradition and make it meaningful for future generations? Therefore, education and bring up the next generation will be central to the Seder. That's why the next section will be the Manishtana. We have to have our children involved. It's not only what we need to remember. We need to remember that we're part of a chain of history. We have to pass this on to the next generation. Therefore, you're going to bring Korban Pesach in the land of Israel. You're going to have children who were not there at the time of the Exodus. You'll bring up a new generation, and they're going to ask you, what's the meaning of this family tradition? Every year in the spring, we gather together, and we're having this meal together. What's the meaning of this? And what do you have to explain to your children? This is a zebach. This is like, a zebach means like a barbecue called the Pesach to remember what happened for the sake of God, to thank God for this experience. What did God do? He passed over or protected on the homes of the Jewish people. When? When he punished the Egyptians. Notice again, not only is the word bait being emphasized in the very first Korban Pesach, the word bait is being emphasized in Korban Pesach Hudorot. That's why the home, the Jewish home, the Jewish family is always so central to Pesach. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a Beit HaMikdash today. Um, so we can't bring the Korban Pesach and Harbait in Yerushalayim because we, we're not, maybe we're not worthy for that yet. Hopefully one day we will be. But in the meantime, God gives us the opportunity to celebrate Korban Pesach in the Jewish home. And the very first Korban Pesach, where the emphasis is the Jewish home, we see Parshat HaChodesh, where Chumash should begin. Remember the first Rashi and Chumash? Chumash should begin here, not only from the technical side, that it's the first commandment we receive. The very first commandment is the core of Judaism. Judaism begins with the Jewish home, how to build a Jewish home, the family, the father, the mother, the children, education, passing down a tradition to pass down to the next generation. 
that's at the core of Judaism because it's not a covenant between God and an individual, it's between God and a nation and a people. And therefore, we connect to God at, at the community level, at the national level, and it all begins what I call the molecular unit of the Jewish family of the Bible. And our very first commandment is to take initiative, to build our homes, to build our community, to care about one another, to remember our past, but not just nostalgically to remember our past, to remember our past for future. Therefore, God's name himself is Hayahu We have our relationship with God from the past, Mashaya, Mashove, what's happening today, and Mashiya, what will be in the future. Our connection to God as his people, we're rooted in our past, always thinking and planning, having a goal of a better future, and living today to make that dream happen. So that's the what we're told to do for the future. We explain to our children the meaning of Korban Pesach, the meaning of the home, how God saved our homes so that we can use our homes to serve God later in the future. We have to be thankful for that. And the way we, again, we don't just say thank you. The rest of Chumash, we talk about acting thank you, becoming that nation, and building our homes, and living a life that sanctifies God. And then finally, the Yisrael, Am Yisrael all gathered together, and they did kashir Moshe We're told at the end, the very first commandment, Am Yisrael got off to a good start, just as God commanded them. This is Moshe and Aaron commanded them, that's what they did. They took the Korban Pesach, they took the lamb on the 10th, they checked it on the 14th, they gathered together for the family meal, they talked about a better future, and therefore, to conclude, we go back to the very beginning of our shir and ask the question, it's not an invite. We're not inviting people. We should have done that way back. Rather, we're connecting our Seder. We're using the matzah as a conversation piece. We're beginning a conversation to remember the meaning of our affliction and how we were once poor people and mistreated, how we have to make sure not to do that to others. That will be one of our shurim later in the series. But what we learned from that experience. But we begin our Seder with a story. The story of the Exodus begins with the very first Korban Pesach in Egypt, the very first family gathering, where our very first commandment as a Jewish people is to build a home, to take initiative, to build a home, to plan, to teach children, and to appreciate your situation you're in today and always look for a better future. So unfortunately, again, as we know, many of us, We'll be very, at very small seders this year, but at least we'll have our family. We'll be at home, at least our immediate family. And we'll be thinking maybe hopefully by next year we'll have a wider family and be able to celebrate with more people together. But it's a time to reflect and appreciate what our very first seder was about. And as soon as we finish this introduction, connect our seder to the very first seder of our forefathers in Egypt, then we go right away to the children. We ask, what's special about tonight? This year, of course, would be very ask, how is this year's Seder different than all the other years? Again, it'll be a time of reflection and thought. And hopefully, with hopefully by next year, we will be we'll be wider families. We'll be able to celebrate more in freedom. This year, we're going to focus on our homes. Next year, we can focus more on our shoals. Hopefully, we'll be back able to dive in and shul again and build our communities. But we can take an opportunity this year to fortify and establish the Jewish home as a center of our lives. And towards building community again and building a better future. And hopefully by next year, now we should be in our shuls. We should hopefully be in the land of Israel and serving God as a people. Thank you very much. And everyone should have a meaningful week. And we should pray to Hashem that God should help us survive and learn from this experience and everyone should be healthy. And then as everyone's reminding, make sure to follow all the rules, whatever the health organization tells us to do, make sure to follow the bigger mitzvah than any other mitzvah. 
it's not just pikuach nefesh, it's also the way of Jewish life, always caring about others and making sure you care about the safety of our fellow, not only our fellow Jews, but everyone living on our planet. Again, thank you very much. And hopefully this week we'll have a Kodesh Nisan, we'll have a good month and we'll have God's blessings for a better future.